This is the 2010 Jack Straw Writers Program. Curator Jared Lysing interviewed writer Esther Altschul Helfgott about her work. I wanted to ask you, first off, the role that, that history plays for you as a historian and as a poet, essayist, and many, many things. Well, I'm most interested as the poem as a documentary source. And when I did my doctoral dissertation, for instance, and I wrote on Irina Klepfish, I was very impressed with how she used the poem to document her life. She had been born in the uh, Warsaw Ghetto during the Holocaust, and she was fascinating in, in the way she developed her writing process and her poetry in relation to her own history. And I'm very interested in that. Do you see your project with Jack Straw as being another kind of documentary? Yes, yeah. yes. It's a, a documentation of the Alzheimer's experience that I'm having with my husband that's been going on for years and years. And poetry has been a form of release for me. And But more recently, I've gotten back to historical research and that's actually a release from the poetry. It's relaxing working in the archives and getting away from the internal life and the my relationship with that whole Alzheimer's experience. Now we'll hear selections from Esther's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. I'm going to read from a manuscript in progress called Fragments from an Alzheimer's Journey. Fragments from an Alzheimer's Journey. One. He's sadness and thin, scared, confused, a bird looking for its mother. There is no pill for this, not for him, not for me. I give him a pear. He eats it all, bit by bit, until it's gone. Two, I wheel him to the window. He points outside and says, he's dying. I say, who's dying? He says, that guy. Three. More and more he slips into himself, unwaiting for me to join him. A man still, the same face, hardly changed. But for cognition and the lack of affect, who would know he won't remember us when I leave? Four. His face is my grandfather's, staring out from an old picture frame, a reminder that love is like the moon, wanting into different shapes, Crescents, slits. Five. Today, when I walked into his room, he was sitting in the wheelchair staring. His eyes were red, and I thought he had been crying, but there were no tears. He didn't know me. I looked straight into him and said, Hi, Abe, I'm Esther. I'm your wife. I'm Esther. Really? Really, I said. And he was alive again. Six. He's better today. He recognized me when I came in, took my hand, and kissed it. Later, he kissed his own hand. He has a bruise, and he kissed the bruise as if he were a father caring for a child, something like the day he called himself he. Seven. Tonight at dinner. A dish of peaches, six ounces of health shake, four ounces of apple juice, the rest spit out. Chewing's hard. Swallowing liquid is easier. 
to myself, I think, I'm tired, I want to go home. But where is home? Here at the nursing home or in that other place where we used to live? Eight, he's bedridden. Nine, he's weak and tired. His hands curl into fists. They're cold and clammy. His arms are cool. The rest of him is warm. He opens his eyes and says, we did it, then falls back to sleep. 10, how long can a body do this? Whose body am I talking about anyway, mine or his? I'm not sure I know the difference. 11, neither pear nor peach satisfy him. He barely drinks the shake and doesn't understand the word cookie. But he smiles and holds my hand. He calls me hun. When I leave, I kiss him and say goodbye again. 12, again. His face almost. His face was small tonight. I could hold it in my hand. His skin was pale, white almost. His arms were slack. I took his hands. I helped him move his arms and we danced with them. Up and down we danced with them. His arms, he in his wheelchair, me on a stool beside. He laughed almost. He laughed and I could have cried, but I waited until I was outside. And then his face became large, large like a full moon, I tell you. How did that happen? His face was small. I could hold it in my hand. But now, driving away, his face is, really, it floats in front of me, like the moon, almost. I'm going to go back in time a little bit. That's when my, um, what I just read, my husband is now and was when I read these, wrote these poems in a nursing home. Uh, and here, um, he's still at home. So this is some, some years ago. And I took off. I had a friend stay with him. And I went to a poetry workshop in, I think it was Minnesota, or St. Louis somewhere. It's called Serendipity at a Poetry Therapy Workshop were instructed to interview the person sitting next to us for normality. There must have been an angel sitting here between us, waiting for our pens to meet over husband's slipping minds. Jack's 45 years of patience and poetry, Abe's 45 years of oncology and microscopes, cell after cell of stunning destruction, two doctor's wives reeling, Dear Alzheimer's, why did you pick our sheltered lives to visit? And this also is when he was still home, and um, his language was uh, very garbled, and, but I felt we were getting a lot from that language. This is called more. All the while he loses language, he develops the ability to find and use words that duplicate his emotions. In this awful season of rain, he's found a new way of learning, of teaching himself more about himself and his 77 years of living. In so doing, this moment in our lives together gifts me, gifts him, gifts us with unraveling questions and apostrophes between us. This new use of language, the mumblings and ramblings that others think are meaningless, unhooked-together sentences of drivel, 
contains answers I have looked for throughout our 25-year-old marriage bed. Now, indecipherable speech is breathing moreness into our unused-up lives. And now we're at the nursing home after lunch. Blossoms on the window pane, tree limbs scratching glass. A ladybug crawls around a leaf's edge. It falls on a flower's wing. Quiet makes us laugh. Clouds keep us company. Sky is blue today, but crows keep us vigilant. Lack, and this was written, um, my husband had a beard forever. He's my second marriage, and I never saw him without a beard. And I go into the nursing home one day, and it's all shaved off. And I just lost it. I start crying. I couldn't stop crying. And people didn't know why I was upset. And then my son came from um, California to visit, and he goes in the room with me. And the first thing he said was, Mom, I never saw his face like that. So this is for my son Ian, who noticed. It's called Lack. I never saw Abe's face so soft and trim like baby skin. His beard most gone, his face a lack. I never saw his face like that. Strings of blue, veins where beard had been. Pink and new, a lack like that. So pink and new, a lack like that. I never saw Abe's face like that. Him and me. We're at the game table. I give him a domino. He puts it in his mouth. I started to write my mouth. He puts it in my mouth. Sometimes I can't distinguish the difference between him and me. How much of him is me and how much of me is him? I don't understand. We didn't even get along that well. <laughs> Sometimes it is a gift. <laughs> You find out things you didn't know. This is called spouse as home. And there are a few words. Um, probably all know them, but just in case. Shul means synagogue. Zadie is grandfather. Bubby's is grandma. Grandma's. Spouse as home. I didn't know he was my shul, my language, my mother tongue, and prayer. The Zadie I lost and Bubby's I never had. Or that he was my homeland an exile, my nakedness. I didn't know when I met him 30 years ago that I had needed a place to dwell in or that knowing turned less into more and more into less. Oh, where shall I dwell when he's gone? Where shall I when he's... Color for Abe. Today you are the color of pink. Unlike yesterday, when your color was blue, and I thought death was imminent. Doctors don't know. No one does. You could live a long other life sitting in your wheelchair, smiling. Husband. I wish you'd change your ways just for today so we could speak to each other's ear. Your lack is like a leaf falling. Even so, I'm glad we met. Two East Coast Jews in Seattle, where else might we be, might we? I'm glad you're here. I can touch your face, your skin. I like to comb your hair. Your eyes still hold me. 
And my last fragment for now is, when I leave him and know I won't be back for days at a time, my heart asks, why? Why? Thank you. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lysing. Music performed by Tamara Friedman and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve DeTore. Narrator is Amy Broomhall, and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.